So there's a recipe that will put an event together that has similar components, but then the dynamics of all that are so different that you're tweaking that recipe to make sure that it comes out tasting good. Hey there, thanks for tuning in. I'm Jeremy Dobrish, and this is The Procast, brought to you by Proscenium Events in New York City. It's a podcast about corporate live events. Now, each month we take a bite-sized look at how to make these corporate events, conferences, programs, shows even more effective and impactful. Today, we're talking with Travis Reedy from Travis Inc., who is an incredibly resourceful, collaborative, and brilliant technical director. We're talking about how TDs help events save money. We get into some of Travis's favorite technologies and even one of his favorite movies. So if you're curious about how to maximize the technical side of events, then stand by for Q1 of the Procast. And Q1, let's go. All right. So I am here with Travis Reedy, the president of Travis Inc. And today we're taking a peek behind the curtain. We're getting into the technical side of corporate events. Can you give me just a definition? What is a technical director? A technical director is kind of like an orchestra conductor that you know leads a group through a process and that culminates to something spectacular for the audience. We start with an executable plan, but we also plan for the unexpected is uh, kind of the role there. And that role is to manage all the technical components of an event from the design phase all the way through the execution phase. And so when you say you're planning for the unexpected, what does that mean? What kind of things come up that are unexpected that need to be planned for? Most of the time it's on the end client side. So it could be something as simple as an executive, their rehearsal time that we have scheduled needs to change. It could be something that's venue related. So we could, if we weren't able to do a site survey, there's been a number of times where you walk into a venue and find out, oh, I didn't realize that there were soffits at 12 feet on the sides of this space. And we were told that the whole space was 20 feet high. So a number of those things, you have to be ready for just about anything. And we try to put a plan together to allow ourselves to react quickly to anything that we come up against that we didn't see. This is behind the scenes, Bethany, breaking in with a fact check. A soffit is the underside of a building's structural component, such as an overhang. What Travis is referring to is an instance where the team asks for the ceiling height and is told 20 feet, but isn't told about a soffit that changes the ceiling height in some areas to 12 feet. This could be catastrophic for a set, lighting truss, or audio setup that was counting on the ceiling height being 20 feet across the whole room. And so if somebody was planning an event and they said, look, I don't know what a technical director is. Do we really need a a technical director? What would you say? I would say absolutely. A good technical director is going to take care of all the latent needs of a producer and event planner. That might not equate to a monetary value, but with the stress that they're dealing with all the time, if we can take care of the things that they're not even thinking about, that's really you know the best part of having a technical director. But there's a monetary side to it too. The technical director, they're overseeing all the technology, the staff for that technology, and the venue that's going to house the event. So the communication and organization that a, a TD brings to an event, it's a really, that's the only way to make sure that the milestones are met, expectations are exceeded, all while being within the budget. Yeah, and allow me to say, I've worked with you many times, and I know when you're on site, I know that if something goes wrong, it, it's going to get dealt with quickly and efficiently. I can't think of a time when there was a problem that we've gone to you with that you couldn't solve. I I appreciate that, but that's really 
It's the job of that role. Everybody else has something else they're focused on. And it's usually client-related or, or that creative side of the messaging. So the production team really shouldn't have to worry about any of the technical things that are going on. So that's what we just try to do is make sure that, and I think most technical directors, that's what they you know are shooting for. So when you talk about the monetary side of it, what kind of things does that entail? I mean, in simple terms, how does a technical director save you money? It's not so much about the technology because it's really more about the technical staffing. So it's about having a good plan, cohesive schedule. Once the technology has been chosen, that's typically a constant variable in a production budget. But being able to manage the schedule of the staff and the clients is really where savings are found. And the biggest challenge that we've seen is the amount of time for you know the whole event, the load-in, the actual event itself has become much shorter than it used to be. So when the time for load-in and rehearsals is so condensed, it doesn't allow for a lot of flexibility. And at the design side, when we're first starting an event, obviously we're looking at a budget and we need to figure out what the technology or the scenic and all the departments are going to bring. But then to manage that, it really comes down to the, the staffing of it because that's where people get into trouble in terms of labor. And that's a really important role of the technical director is while they're on site is managing that labor making sure that you're reducing overtime if you can, making sure if you're in a union area, you're not getting into meal penalties or, or getting into double time. You're, now that their rehearsal time is going to be later, now we're all going to stay an extra three hours. So that's really where we try to become efficient on, okay, what else can we do on the subsequent days to try to balance that all out? And you mentioned that load-in times are getting shorter. So in other words, people are asking you to do the same amount of work or potentially even more work in less time. So how do you do that? Well, sometimes it seems magical. It's something that we've unfortunately become accustomed to. So it's putting the right amount of labor positions on there, but there is only so many bodies that you can put into a room. So sometimes that might be adjusting your schedule so that you've got different departments showing up at different times. So a lot of times that management staff, it might be more than one technical director. You might have an assistant technical director that's going to take on a second shift to run a crew so that rather than working an eight to a 10 hour day, which is pretty much unheard of nowadays, you can run 16, 18 hours and not run into too much overtime if you know that's what you're running into. It's interesting. Part of me feels like, isn't it just sort of a, a formula, a template? Isn't every show more or less the same. And then there's part of me that thinks, no, every show is completely different and you almost have to start from scratch every time. Well, you're right on both accounts. So there's a recipe that will put an event together that has similar components, but then the dynamics of all that are so different that you're tweaking that recipe to make sure that it comes out tasting good. That's a great analogy. Now, you and I have worked on shows that range from low-tech, relatively low-budget shows to high-tech relatively high budget shows. But I'm curious, have you seen anything in the last couple of years or anything you're working with or anything you're looking forward to working with in terms of technology that you're really excited about? One of the things that I think is a great innovation, and it's not that new, projection mapping, it's been around for a while, but we are seeing it requested more and more from clients, or we're suggesting it to help achieve an event's experiential goals. It's significantly cheaper and easier to execute than it was 10 years ago. I would say something new that might knock your socks off is immersive interactive technology. It's been on the event horizon for some time, and it's now becoming more tangible for the corporate arena. It's mainly used for attendee experience and like activations, but it also has incredible potential in adding impact to deliver a keynote presentation. It's essentially a, a tracking platform worn by a presenter to choreograph audio, video, and lighting with their movements. 
So for example, if you had a presenter delivering a keynote in front of a large LED display, what you can do is create an avatar of that presenter that plays on that display behind them and matches the exact movements of that presenter while the lighting is tracking to the presenter's movements. Or a presenter could use this technology to cue media with their movements for truly interactive presentations. And so in the past, what we've done historically is we've got our operators queuing a very interactive presentation in the back. So when we would say, hey, you know, the CEO is heading over to stage left. And when he raises his arm and you see that on the camera, I want you to hit that space bar so that this messaging comes up. So this is much more dynamic. It, it is truly interactive. When you see somebody point to something and it just appears or they raise their hand towards the crowd and a row of LED lights then goes out over the audience. It, it really is a whole nother level of interactivity. It makes it magic. It That's, does. I, it's funny. I always think that if you can bring magic to an event, it's incredible. And magic just means surprise. It just means doing something that the audience didn't expect that doesn't seem possible or didn't seem likely. And the kind of thing you're talking about, it just sounds like a wonderful moment for the audience to be able to see that and just gasp a little bit. You want them to gasp. I think that's really important. You also just want them to stay engaged. So sometimes you need those moments. Everybody's got that secondary screen in their hand while they're at an event. So you want that moment where they they're, they wonder what just happened there and I don't want to miss the next thing. It's harder and harder to do that. And I think if you have, if we have technology on our side that can beat the technology that they've got in their pocket, it gives us a little bit of an advantage. Absolutely. That's really helpful. Now let's talk about projection mapping a little bit. So first of all, can you define it, describe it. If, any, if anyone doesn't know what projection mapping is, what is it? So projection mapping is using surfaces that you can use video projection on. I would say most notably, people started becoming aware of it during the Pink Floyd, uh, the wall tour in 2010. And it's it's not just the, the technology of the projectors and the surface, it really is about the content. So it's really creative, inferred, three-dimensional type artwork that makes people feel like, wow, that wall is collapsing even though it's really there. And I think we've also seen projection mapping a lot on YouTube where people were doing projection mapping on pillars and taking over a whole building and making the building come alive, making the building look like it was falling down or a dragon was coming out of the building, which is great for us because then every producer or event planner wants the entrance to the ballroom to have that exact experience. But the way projection mapping has evolved is we almost do it on every event now because of the surfaces that we're using, the great proscenium working with their graphics team, they can really make the artwork immersive. And so the technology, while it hasn't changed much, the media servers that you need, those have changed. They've become more capable. They've become cheaper. And artists, they can do anything now. I think it it definitely adds a whole nother level to an event. And it really doesn't add that much more cost as it is now. That's amazing that the cost has come down like that. Now, you mentioned Pink Floyd's The Wall as sort of where that took off from. So does a lot of this technology that makes its way to corporate events come from concerts and, and Broadway and art installations and, and stuff like that? Oh, it definitely does. Mo most of the technology that we use starts in the concert or entertainment arena, and then it comes to us. I, I would say that the biggest thing that comes from concerts and entertainment is inspiration. Every year after shows like the Academy Awards or the Grammys air, I'll always get a call that same week from a client that wants to incorporate something they saw on the TV in their awards show. I was just thinking, I, I can imagine you at home watching the Grammys and you're like, oh, wow, that's really cool. And then your second thought is, oh God, everybody's going to want me to replicate this. 
Absolutely. And most of the clients don't have the deep pockets that those events had, but we still try to figure out a creative way to bring something similar to that. I would say one of my personal favorites was the week after the 2013 Grammys. So Carrie Underwood had the performance projection dress. So then that following week, I've got every client looking to have their CEO in some type of a white or silver projection attire that we're going to map things to, and it's going to follow them around. And, and we haven't actually executed that, but it was a fun request. Though I have seen that skip down to special events, and I've seen a lot of weddings, high-end weddings, where the wedding dresses of the brides. They Oh, yeah. So that's a really cool thing that somebody saw, and they're doing it a little bit differently, but that's it's a white dress, and you can make a projection map onto that. You know, that's 2013, so it's it's not necessarily new, but now you're starting to see it into our arena. And beyond the inspiration side of technology, you do have the equipment side. So the benefit of the technology being used in concerts is there isn't a better proving ground than being on tour. So their equipment manufacturers, they'll put new technology on concert tours to put those elements through rigorous paces. So touring is essentially like the last phase of a research and development for many products that we then end up using in ballrooms. Are there any other examples you can think of? I'm curious if there's technology you've seen that you're like, oh, this is going to be great, or, or we used this and it was great. What I have seen is, you know, based on the COVID pandemic, XR studios have really flourished. And I think what we're going to start seeing is some hybrid type events where you've got that XR studio. And again, this is where content's king. It's a little bit outside of the world that I play in. We would bring all the same equipment all all the technology that they need. But it's really the magic behind that is the content that's being created and some of the platforms that they're using. And it is, it's truly magical. And again, for anyone who doesn't know, can you just walk us through what an XR studio does? Sure. So a lot of the XR studios, if you've seen some of the virtual events that people are putting on, rather than them sitting in like a Zoom type window, you're actually looking at what looks to be a stage or I believe it was Microsoft and their Xbox launch, that looked like somebody was inside of an arena. But they were essentially in a studio that had two large LED walls behind them and an LED floor. And then that artwork makes it look like they're in an arena. And the way that the cameras can track with the the new technology that they're using with that. So that XR studio gives you what you would see live, but for that virtual experience. And I think we're going to see a combination of both of those. It could be that you have an XR studio backstage or in another room that's playing as part of an event. And that leads into a creative sequence to bring that person on stage. I think that's a really important point because I think everybody's talking about post-pandemic, hybrid events, but nobody really is explaining what that's going to mean. What can you do so that the people who are there get a special live experience and the people at home get a special virtual experience? And one of the things that I'd love you to talk about a little bit is, I mean, I feel like you're so good at collaborating. You have such a wealth of knowledge about not only these kind of technologies, but how to make it feasible on the kind of budget or kind of situation that a given event is in. How do you collaborate with the rest of the team to bring those ideas up and make them happen? Well, it's definitely collaboration is key. I just have a wealth of really cool people I know. It really comes down to surrounding yourself with the, the the smartest people and figuring out, hey, I know what the goal is of my client. So if it's something that's not out of our warehouse, I, I reach out to the top people in the industry to find out how are we doing this or how is this executed? 
or we'll research it and look at some of those higher end events, whether they're concerts or you know, like the Super Bowl halftime show. That, that's an incredible feat that they, in 15 minutes, put on an entire concert. Another example of it that I love, and, and we can link to this in the show notes, but there's a video of SNL. They go from the cold open to the monologue and it's on the same set. And so basically the cold open ends and they've got 90 seconds to change this whole set over into something completely different. And they show you how it happens and you can hear them on headset. You know, we're back in 30, we're back in 10 and there's still people and they're setting up plants and they're setting up carpet and they like practically dive out of the camera. And then the, the host comes out and it's, it was like no one had ever touched a thing. It's incredible. And the halftime, I, I imagine, is that on steroids? Oh, definitely. Uh, a, a good friend of mine works on that project. And I love working with him because when clients ask sometimes some very crazy things, he always says, anything's possible because he's done the impossible. Doubt about it. Now, these technologies sound super cool. And you've got me really, you got my brain going, oh, gosh, how can we use these? How necessary would you say they are? Do you think that sort of across the board events benefit from this sort of thing? Or do you think it's really a case-by-case basis? I think that's a great question. I think what you don't want to do is we've seen too many times technology forced into a situation. Holograms were one of those. So hologram, you know, that technology, again, you see it on the concert side. We've done it on the corporate side. And many times it's because somebody just wants to have that hologram. And you're forcing that in there. So I think it's important, even though you see something great, to not force that into your event. It really should be a case-by-case. And you should find out what the goals are, what your message is, what you're trying to do after the event, if you've got post-event things that you want to try to achieve. And a lot of times, that's where you find some of those budgetary efficiencies, too, is not putting in stuff that's unnecessary. I think it's really making sure that this technology is being used in a very useful, impactful manner. I totally agree. I, I think messaging drives everything. And I know content is king is a, an overused phrase, but it really does all come down to the content. One of the things that I think is so tricky for you and your position is that so much of what you're being asked to do is to design things before the content is set. What are we talking about? We don't know. What should the set look like? Sure. So how do you deal with that? Um, a lot of alcohol. <laughs> we, should, we should probably cut that. No, again, for what we do, like you said, content is king. So I think we talk with the people that are going to be doing the content and the creative designers, such as yourself, and we figure out what we want to achieve, what's needed, our backstage entrances needed. So we build a suitable canvas that has the elements that we need functionally to have an event. And then it really is up to the content to then push that. And so... Many times we'll figure out exactly what we need and then we'll give those surfaces to the design team. And then they're kind of working what we've kind of laid out there. So we've set up canvases in their gallery and then they're going to go paint those canvases digitally with what's going to work. It is pretty special when it all comes together. When the set and the graphics and the content are working in harmony, it's really amazing. It doesn't happen every time. But it, it I, boy, it feels great when it does. It, it sure does. And I have to give a shout out because we've talked a little about video. Audio is obviously one of the most important aspects of an event because everything could fail. And as long as you had audio, you could do, still deliver your message. You could have a bullhorn and still have your message out there. But lighting is one of those areas and uh, proscenium uses lighting very well. 
much better than I've seen other companies on, on how they utilize lighting. And unfortunately, lighting is one of those things that comes from concert or entertainment arenas. And it comes to the corporate side quicker than a lot of the other technologies. But it's one of the first things that a lot of our clients will want to cut when they start looking at how do we make this budget tighter. And lighting really helps with that experience. It is the content on the screens, but it's those lights that reach out or if they play with an opening video, what a much bigger difference that is than just an opening video playing. It really turns a room into an environment. Yeah, you're right. It's Again, it's when those the various technical elements are working together and you've really talked about it and planned it together and, and the left hand knows what the right hand is doing and, and we're working together to create a sequence and create a moment and we all know what we're trying to do and we're helping each other. I, I always love it in rehearsal or in production meetings when there's a problem that you're trying to solve and everybody's jumping up and trying to solve it from their particular point of view. Whether they're the right person or not, we don't know yet, but everyone's trying to figure out how can I help? How can I solve this? What can I add to the solution? That's when you've really got a terrific team, I think. Yeah, and the great thing about our industry is it's those problems that come up when everybody's trying to find a solution. Many times the solution that they find was going to be better than what we were trying to do to begin with. Oh, 100%. That, that's what collaboration is. If someone says, let's make it a pink square, and someone else says, what about not pink, but blue, and maybe it should be a circle. And someone goes, I think it should be blue, but it should be a triangle. And you go, yeah, that's it, blue triangle. Whose idea was that? Yeah. You know, you just came up with it together. And a lot of that's attributed to a lot of the cross-training in our industry. So your audio engineer has probably run lighting or run video before. Same thing, your lighting engineer has probably run video before. And a lot of these technologies, the way that they've evolved and advanced. Now, lighting and video, they play together a lot. But it's nice when if somebody's running into a brick wall, you've got somebody from the other department that's on the team that says, hey, have you tried this? And and they probably knew that. They're, they're thinking it through a different way. And it's just, it was another approach. And it's, it's great when, you know, these teams in our industry have touched a little bit of all the different departments. You've got me super jazzed. Travis, I just want to get back in a hotel ballroom with you again and make this magic happen and not just talk about it. But we should move on to the lightning round. Are you okay with that? Yes, sir. Go on. To, okay. Let's do it. All right. So these are questions we ask all of our guests. So the first one is, who's your biggest get? So this is a guest speaker, an entertainer, a subject matter expert, just anybody you would love to see at a live event. No, who I haven't worked with, who I'd love to hear from is Elon Musk. So say more. What would he bring to an event that would be exciting? I just think a lot of the events that we do, they're, they're franchise owners. There's a lot of entrepreneurial attendees at these events. And I think some of what he would have to share, I think they would be engaged. I would be engaged. He thinks of a project from so many different angles. And I think that's important, especially with what we're trying to do, with trying to foresee unseen issues that we could run into. We're always trying to look at things from different angles and different views. And and I think he's probably a master of it. And I'd love to hear what his process is if he was willing to share it. Yeah, I agree. All right. Second question. What is one thing you wish presenters did more of? Some presenters, I wish they would rehearse more. There's some presenters I would wish they would rehearse less. (laughs) So how do you know? No, that's a great point. How does a presenter know or how does a communications team or an events team know whether a a given executive or presenter should rehearse more or less? I think if you're going to go up on stage, you should know what you're talking about. But if you have me get up on a stage and start talking about Tupperware, I'm going to need a teleprompter and I'm probably not going to be that believable when I'm up on stage. 
It is funny, right? When you see teleprompters for people and it has their name and their title and and where they're from, and they have a hard time saying it because <laughs> it's on a teleprompter. That's exactly right. You know right. your name? It yeah. shouldn't be messing you up. But right. because you're nervous and what's the stage? Whereas you think, just turn the teleprompter off and tell me the truth. And you'd probably get something very warm and real and honest. Absolutely. It's interesting. Okay, last question. What is something, this could be a book, a movie, a song, whatever you like, that was a big influence on you? I would say the movie Rudy. Rudy? What? I don't even think I know that movie. So, what is the movie Rudy? This is behind the scenes, Bethany, breaking in with a fact check. Rudy is a 1993 movie starring Sean Astin and Ned Beatty. It also features the first film role for Vince Vaughn. In 2005, ESPN named it one of the best 25 sports movies of the past 25 years. And it was ranked the 54th most inspiring film of all time by the American Film Institute. It's a story about a young man who wanted to play football for Notre Dame. So he tried everything he could. Essentially, he was just too small. He did more than anybody else. He, he put in a lot more work than all the guys that were just built for it. And he just... he push at it harder and harder. It's a great story about, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter if you're small. If you keep at it, you're going to be happy with the end results. Which certainly applies to you. Your company is very successful and you've built it up to be just absolutely incredible and real kudos to you. Anyway, Travis, this has been just a delight talking to you. And as I said, it is just making me hungry to work with you and be back in a ballroom and doing that collaboration that I enjoy doing with you so much. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me today and uh, share your wisdom. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm honored that I was asked to share some of my industry insights. Well, that was so great getting to talk with Travis about how to maximize the technical side of events. For me, there were four top takeaways, and these are the four tops. Number four. Technical directors plan for the unexpected and prevent problems from happening. They take care of technical issues so nobody else has to. Number three, TDs save production's money by managing and maximizing the technical staffing, allowing productions to do more with their time and resources. Number two, there are lower budget ways to replicate some of the cool stuff you see on shows like the Grammys and the Academy Awards, even simple things like using lighting with your videos. And the number one takeaway, projection mapping, XR studios, and immersive interactive technology are some technologies old and new worth checking out. But don't use technology for its own sake. Make sure it ties to your messaging. But look, I could talk about this stuff all day. And if you want to talk to us about the technical side of live events or anything about live events, check out our show notes for more info. There's lots of fun stuff in there. Or just go to proscenium.com and drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Because at Proscenium, we help presenters do their best in front of their most important audiences. As we like to say, we help brands perform. And I have a sneaking suspicion we can help your brand perform. And if you want to get in touch with Travis, you can find him at travisav.com. He's a super nice guy. And if you like the ProCast, you can sign up for it at proscenium.com or get it anywhere you get your other podcasts. Now, today's show was hosted by me, Jeremy Dobrish. It was produced by Bethany Potter. Original music by maestro Mike Mancini and filled with creative geniuslessness by Henry Evans. And hey, you know how at the end of podcasts, they ask you to go to Apple Podcasts and leave a good rating? Well, 
course, we'd love you to do that so more people hear about the show and so we can hear your thoughts. But look, if you've learned a few tips and you want to keep this one just between us, that's cool too. So until next time, stand by to fade the Procast out. And Procast out, let's go. Let's go.